welcome to the Simon Short Podcast brought to you by now phantomsports.com. I am Simon Short. What's up, guys? Welcome back. It is Wednesday, March 23rd. Um, I haven't been at you in a in a couple weeks here. Um, my family and I just made a big move cross country. So I did not record a podcast last week. I was on the road. Um, and this week with the whole just moving in and unpacking and, and everything that goes along with that, um, I did not have time to schedule a full podcast with a guest. But don't worry, I'll be back on that next week. Um, and we'll be we'll be moving around the NFL still. We're, we're hot in free agency. We It has now officially been one week since the real free agency period has opened. Um, we are in the middle of NFL scouting pro days taking place uh, for pre-draft process. And I just wanted to come at you today, kind of kind of ride in solo here and, and talk a bit about the Steelers and, and what's been going on. Obviously, a lot has happened um, in the last two weeks, specifically in the last week since free agency. But I just want to come at you today and talk about that. So first off, I want to make a plug here for my guy, Ben Parker. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me talk to Ben in the past. Um, he is a college and pro football expert um, in the Phantom Sports family. Um, he hosts a podcast called In the Flat. He also runs a couple YouTube channels, Sports and Money, Pro Football GM, Um which goes into right now he's doing a lot of draft and offseason analysis and also sports and money um, KC where he goes in depth about the Kansas city chiefs. Um, I was on his podcast, YouTube channel uh, earlier this week on Monday, we went through the Steelers free agency moves um, quick hitting. So it, it was really fun. It's really great to talk to Ben and get his uh, perspective I love talking to people who are um, who are in the know about the Steelers, but maybe not in the thick of it and kind of get that perspective as well. Um, and he just had some really great insights and, and really great questions. And I uh, went on there to talk specifically about the Steelers and and what they've been doing. So that really just got me going. Um, I wanted to I want to do more. And you can look for my work on phantomsportsofficial.com is the, is the website name now. Um, we were championshipsportsmedia.com. It's the same site, uh, just a little rebranding for some future endeavors that are happening. Really exciting stuff. But head over there to Phantom Sports Official. This Monday, I released my latest mock draft. Um, and maybe we'll go through that today. We'll see what time. We'll see how long this goes for. But I mostly want to talk about the things that have happened with the Steelers um, and kind of where it puts my expectations for the team. So obviously, first things first, this team signed a quarterback, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, on Wednesday, literally a half hour into free agency period, which um, to me says a lot of things. It, it means he was their number one plan really probably from the get-go. Um, I'm sure they explored a few other avenues, whether it was trades or other free agents. Um, they're, they're currently hitting the, the scouting trail really hard on quarterbacks, so I'm not ruling that out either. But clearly, if they were going to be adding a quarterback that was already in the NFL, them signing Mitch Trubisky at, you know, a half hour in the free agency meant that that was their guy. They had made that determination um, and they were able to move forward and were successful with that. Um, how do I feel about Mitchell Trubisky going way back to, and I cite this, this article all the time, but week 10 or 11 of the season, it was after the bangle, the second Bengals game, 41 to 10, something like that. And all Steelers Nation, we, we were just in a rut. We did not know where this team was going. So that was when I started my deep dive into the offseason of what could this team look like moving forward. Um, Trubisky was in that article. Um, that was more me just saying, who are some options? Knowing what the Steelers like to do. They, they still like to have size at quarterback. They were really preaching mobility and still are. 
Um, and they love going after guys with pedigree. And we're talking about a, a 6'4 quarterback who can move, who was the second overall draft pick five years ago and was going to be looking for a new home to start. And that's that's a great fit for what they're looking for. And that's what Trubisky is. Not only that, but I recently found out um, from the uh, terrible podcast with Dave and Alex, Alex Kazora also has been mentioning there were only two GMs at Mitch Trubisky's pro day back in 2017. One of those two was Kevin Colbert. 2017 was obviously the year before the team drafted Mason Rudolph. And if you're a Steeler fan, you know, the team is really high on Mason and they were draft day and they still are today to the point that it seemed like the plan was Mason to succeed Ben at quarterback. If Colbert was at Mitch Trubisky's, you know, pro day the year before, was that maybe his plan then? You know, was was Mason kind of 2018's version to Colbert of what Mitch Trubisky could have been? We'll never know, um, but I think it's pretty telling, and the Steelers are very clear and transparent when it comes to their pre-draft process. Colbert's somewhere, they're really intrigued now. Mitch ended up getting drafted second overall that year. The Steelers were nowhere near that, and when they – at that time, Ben was still basically in his prime, so they weren't going to make any moves to go up and get him, but clearly there was interest there, and maybe they feel like that guy not only at that point could have been the heir to Ben, but maybe they still feel like it now. Um, there, There's a lot of talk, uh, rightfully so, and again, I did this in my article um, with Mitch that, you know, this is a bridge quarterback. You know, his contract... Uh, being two years, base salary is about fourteen point two five million. Um, I think about six of that is is going to be this year's cap. I think it's like six point two five between base salary and signing bonus, um, and that's coming also from Steelers Depot. Dave Bryan um, kind of got was the source on that. Um, it's a good contract, and it's one that also kind of screams like. We're not saying this is our franchise guy right now, um, but with what the Steelers like to do in these two-year contracts, gives them a lot of flexibility. I think everything's on the table for Mitch Trubisky right now. So going back to my feelings about it, I already got myself off track. Just me. Look at that. Um, but I was on, you know, I knew Mitch was one of the names. I was like, okay, they're probably going to bring someone in to be a bridge. Hopefully that's better than Mason Rudolph. Mitch Trubisky was on the list. All right. From there, my right after the season ended was when I kind of posted my next, okay, this is what I'm thinking for the team. And by the end of the year, there were so many holes to fill. And, you know, whether you want to talk about the offensive line, whether you want to talk about some wide receivers, as, you know, I don't think we expected what has happened with three receivers leaving a free agency, but we knew – Washington would be gone. We knew Juju could be gone. So it was the possibility of Ray Ray. So we were like, okay, maybe some that receiver. Definitely need two or three offensive linemen. Depending on what happens at that time, remember we weren't sure about Tyson Alualu, who has since said he's coming back. We're still not officially sure about Stefan Tuitt. Okay, so now you have to maybe worry about the defensive line. The middle linebacker room was rough last year. Joe Schober, Devin Bush. Uh, we knew we needed some depth at outside pass rusher. Knew we need to do something at court, you know, so the, the needs were just piling up and up and up. And I was like, forget it. Leave quarterback alone. You guys, the Steelers, the Steelers like Mason Rudolph, put your money where your mouth is. You have Mason under contract. You can bring Dwayne Haskins back for, you know, two, $3 million with, with the restricted free agent tender, which they have done, by the way. So Dwayne Haskins is under contract. Let those two battle it out. Bring Dobbs back on a minimum. Get an undrafted young guy to be kind of competing with Dobbs for three slash on the practice squad. And just roll with that. Fill all of your other holes now because this isn't a great quarterback class from the draft. That's actually what my podcast was about with Ben a few weeks ago. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Um, you know, it's not a great QB class. There wasn't the, at the time, 
obviously we've seen some big names get traded recently. Um, but at the time, you know, the trade market on quarterback was like Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, but you're going to have to pay those guys 20, 25 mil, which is a large chunk of your cap. And you're going to have to give up at least a day two pick, if not more. And we saw Wentz go for, I think it ended up, it ended up being kind of weird, but essentially like two thirds and a, one or two other day three picks, I believe. And, you know, Garoppolo is still sitting out there. So we'll see what happens there. But those guys, while they're bigger names for the price you'd have to pay to give up for them, didn't seem like it would get you that much further than Mason Rudolph. So in my head, I was thinking, commit all your cap, commit all your draft to everything but the quarterback, go get one next year. That obviously didn't happen. They, they made some great cap moves um, in free agency since it started. So now as we got closer and closer to free agency, where was my mind at? What was I feeling about Mitch? I still wasn't feeling good. Um, I was coming off of the stay in-house because I started getting cold feet about watching Mason Rudolph for 17 games. But I also knew... I still don't want to go crazy. And the reports were then coming out leading a week leading into free agency. Hey, Trubisky's going to have a hot market. He's going to be about at least 10 mil a season. Yikes. For, for Mitch Trubisky, that, that's not great. Um, and in my head, the first thing that that went to was, okay, now who's your right tackle? Okay, who's your middle linebacker? Okay, are you going to get a top corner or no? I always think about the opportunity cost when it comes to this stuff and, and thinking about paying somebody that much money and using your cap towards that. I always think of what you have to give up to do it. It's very easy to say, oh, just give them this much. Okay, but what don't you get because of it? But I still knew free agency was the best route. Um, trading, you know, the only big time quarterback I would I would have been okay with trading for that Russell Wilson trade wasn't too bad. Um, two first, two seconds, a couple young players. You know, so for the Steelers, that might have been two first, two seconds. Let's say if they really need a quarterback back, Mason, you know, trade Mason Rudolph, maybe trade Devin Bush. Um, but still, those players were still probably even better than the ones the Broncos gave up. So I don't know what you're doing there, but that's a couple picks for a guy who has won a Super Bowl, been to another consistently been one of the top quarterbacks in the league until last year where he had an injury. I'd be okay with that. You know, 39 year old Aaron Rodgers, No, um, the Deshaun Watson trade. I I've made my comments on, on that whole deal. And, uh, I'm going to not go into that here today, but, um, let's just say I'm, I'm happy the Steelers did not make that move for the Deshaun Watson and, and everything that's going to come along with trading for him. Um, you know, Carson Wentz, seeing what Washington did to get Carson Wentz in the building, that's rough. So long way of saying free agency was the right move. Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, Tyrod Taylor, we've seen all those guys get contracts. And Mitch Trubisky, I think now sitting on it after a week and looking at all the other free agents that have been signed, feeling pretty good. Uh, I liked Mariota better because mostly because I thought he'd be cheaper. He got, I believe, a bigger contract than Trubisky got. Same with Taylor, and at least in terms of year one base salaries. So I think if you're a Steeler fan, you're looking at a guy who fits the mold of what the Steelers like to do. I think has enough pedigree and potential where you could say this could be a guy you build around. And is in an opportunity now where he has to revive his career. That's the kind of guy you want to bring into the building. A guy that first off, everybody likes. Um, he had great reviews from coaches and in the front office in Buffalo in his one year kind of sitting and learning uh, there. In Chicago, he handled a pretty cruddy situation as I think we're coming to find out in terms of having Matt Nagy as his head coach. Um, and clearly just wasn't ready for what he got put into in terms of being the second overall pick after one year of being a college starter in an ACC program. 
probably that was not the right move. How much can you blame him for that? Now, I'm not saying that he's going to walk in and be great. I, I know that's how some of us are feeling where now everyone's fully behind him. That's not necessarily the case. But I think in terms of team building, putting a squad together for this year, it was the right move uh, for the contract they gave him because it enabled them to do a whole lot. And if you were going to get this guy and you like him as much as you seem to, like I said, within a half hour of free agency, you sign him, Kevin Colbert at his pro day, then give him the best shot possible and put a whole team around him. And that's what they did. So let's go through everything else now. Um, first off, the offensive line. And I told Ben when I was on his his show on Monday, you know, you have two hours to do this, right? Because I could go on forever about this offensive line. So, I mean, the first move that got made was, was right tackle Chukwuma Okor, right tackle Chukwuma Okor for, uh was signed on a three-year deal in total for about $30 million. Um, it is not a bad contract. <laughs> That's the first thing I say about it. That's not great. Chooks is fine. Uh, I think I've made my, my thoughts and feelings clear on Chooks. Um, he is a solid tackle for a guy who played left tackle predominantly in college, might've even been his entire college career at left tackle was supposed to play left tackle for the Steelers and circumstances just kind of put him to right tackle. Um, he's fine. If he is your fourth or fifth best offensive lineman, you're in good shape. If he's your best offensive lineman. Like he was for the Steelers last year. That's not good. And with the way the Steelers' offensive line was last year, I was saying take every opportunity you can to clean house. Trey Turner and Chooks are unrestricted free agents. Let them go. Kendrick Green, really disappointing rookie year. Look to upgrade him via free agency or draft. Kevin Dotson, Dan Moore Jr., give him another year, see what you got. Dan Moore got better and better every single week. I love his physicality, his athleticism. He's a good run blocker. Um, Kevin Dotson has all the tools and for when he's on the field has shown, has put it on tape that he can do it, but he hasn't locked himself in anything yet. He's played like, you know, 14, 15 games in the NFL so far in two years, got sprained, got a high ankle sprain in week nine of last year, I believe, and never played again. So, you know, he's certainly not locked in anywhere, but plan to bring both those guys back try to change out the other three and just see what happens. Um, and then, of course, the first move that comes in is a core for re-signing, and then I kind of roll my eyes and think, oh, no. Here comes the Trey Turner signing. Oh, no. Here comes, you know, not using a, a day one or day two pick on an offensive lineman. Oh, man. Kendrick Green is going to start at center again, and I thought they were just going to run it back and kind of hope for the best and you know, Pat Mayer, the the new offensive line coach there. Oh, maybe they'll, maybe he'll coach him up. Maybe another year of training camp, yada, yada. And I was not feeling good. Um, Chooks by himself. Like I said, I like him. He's a fine player. Don't know if right tackle is a great fit for him just because he's not an overly physical player. You want that player to be someone who can really set the tone for your run game. But maybe that's not as important now. The, the whole left tackle versus right tackle thing in theory of, oh, which one's your main pass protector? Oh, left tackle, because that's most quarterbacks' blind sides. You got to be able to protect both sides at this point. So maybe it's about just getting the best guys out there. Um, offensive line is the number one position where you just need all five guys to be working together and have good, good cohesion. Yeah, you'd love a top-level guy, an all-pro type player at one or two positions, but it's and I think the the Steelers goon squad showed this it's more about if you can get five guys who don't have any chinks in the armor there's no weak link no liability and then you can have them play together for a couple of years that's probably going to help you best um so Chooks is back and then they go sign Mason Cole to a three-year deal and I was like okay I don't I don't know who that is you know I was with a buddy had him start researching him for me I was actually driving while it happened and um you know, he was like, okay, so four-year NFL player came from Michigan. I was like, okay, Michigan's good. You know, the Steelers like Michigan. They probably saw him at a pro day and had interest in him back in his draft. Okay, three years starting at center for the Cardinals. Okay, that's pretty good. Traded for a six-round pick to the Vikings. 
yikes, last year of your, your rookie deal and you're traded for, for three round value below what you were drafted at. It's not usually a good sign. Okay, played about seven games for the Vikings because of injuries. Coming off of injuries, only a handful of games last year. Guy got traded from the team that drafted him. Isn't sounding too good. Um, but the upside, he's 6'4", he's 300 pounds. Okay, that's good. You know, if that's your center and you're plugging him over Kendrick Green, even if he has the same issues as Green, which isn't about strength, but it's about technique, he at least has a lot more size than Kendrick Green, who's about 6'1", 6'2", 290 pounds. And now you're going to put at least a much, much bigger guy in there. Well, from there, a lot of a lot of Steelers uh, experts and analysts that I trust were like, okay, that's your right guard and Kendrick Reed's your center. Just, oh, man, it's not great. You kind of just go status quo, a right tackle. You bring in a guy who this will be his third team in five years. And you play him at right guard next to Kendrick Green and then Dotson, who's technically still a question mark. That's you know not great. And then the big name came in. James Daniels from the Chicago Bears signed to a three-year deal. Um, and all of a sudden, everything kind of fell into place. Now that's – so James Daniels, if you don't know, uh, was drafted in the second round of, out of Iowa, played for the Bears for four seasons. Now, my first thought with Daniels when he started getting hype around him when the season ended, because I'm not out here grinding offensive line tape during the season or anything, but when the season ended and I started looking at offensive linemen, I was like, this guy's getting a lot of buzz for being an offensive lineman on the Bears who everyone critiqued them for being like one of the worst offensive lines in the league, right? So that's, you know, that's not that great. You look into him a little bit more, Look into the Bears a little bit more. Chicago's main issue when it came to the offensive line was at tackle. Um, starting 40-year-old Jason Peters at left tackle, who was fishing when they called him during training camp. Um, right tackle, they they played three or four guys, I think, because of injuries. Um, so obviously, so so not obviously, but their their issues started at tackle and then just kind of moved inside. Their interior guys. Um between Daniels and Whitehair and then Sam Mustafa, I believe, had played together and seemed like that group did solid. But again, like we talked about a minute ago, offensive line is about your weak links. And if those are both your tackles, no matter how good your guard is, it's not going to help that much. Um, but James Daniels is a very good player, has a chance to be a really, really, really elite player. Um, he's still only 24. He's going to be 24 years old when the season starts. He played three years at Iowa. He played center. Um, so he has center experience all three years. He was center. Played left guard at Chicago predominantly in his first three seasons. Played a little bit of center in the NFL starting his second year. Um, I think by like week five or six, it's at, it's at like in November, he switched back over to left guard. They, they played him at center for to start his second season. Um, last year, all of last year, he played right guard, and that was when he really took off. So this guy has experience all across the interior at the NFL level. His experience before the NFL at center is the position he's played the least in the NFL. So you know he has good experience at all three positions between college and the NFL. Iowa is a great place to get offensive linemen from. Those guys are those guys are moving guys around, um, being really physical, and that's what he is. He's a physical, nasty guy, um, who also has very good feet and good athleticism, in in order to kind of move around. So in Chicago, they they have more of a zone blocking scheme. Um, he was tasked a lot with getting to the second level and blocking linebackers. He did a pretty good job of that because of that athleticism and that drive to just put a dude in the dirt. But in, in Pittsburgh, at least to this point, we'll see what Pat may or may, or may not change. Um, they're a man-blocking scheme. They're, they're a, a power-blocking scheme. So they're going to look for her guy. Or what they love to do is ask him to pull and say, go get this guy and take him out of the play. I think he's going to do great with that. I mean, his physicality, he's also got 34-inch arms, got like 10 and a half inch hands. So 
he has the ability to get his hands on somebody and really just you know take him down and and that immediately he's going to elevate everybody else around him so if he let's say he's playing right guard and he's next to chooks chooks who's a good technique guy he's he's good feet good hands but not the most physically dominant now you put a guy like daniels next to him that's going to increase the physicality of the right side by tenfold and now running to the right side is a little easier to do um and because of his footwork, because of his athleticism that he showed getting to the second level, now if you want to go to the left, you can pull that guy over. Um, and if you have a guy like Mason Cole at center, who, again, 6'4", he doesn't have great length. I believe he's like 32, 32 and a half inch arms. I forget what Kendrick Green was, though. I might look that up here. Um, but if you want Mason to reach block over to the right because you have James pulling, it's going to be a little easier for him to do than it was for Green. Green really struggled with that last year. Getting the snap of the ball off quick and making a move to where he was going was was tough for him. Um, so I think there's a lot this team can do now with James Daniels in there. Um, well, let me go ahead and just do this. If you're, if you're here just listening to me speak, you're, you're not going to mind me um, doing some research on the fly here. So 32 and a quarter is the first thing that popped up for Kendrick Green. Let's see about Mason Cole. 32 and an eighth. Okay, so Green has long, slightly longer arms than Mason Cole. But again, Cole also has more experience at that center position than Green did. Um, I actually saw something on Twitter the other day, I think someone was asking Max Starks about Kendrick Green. And he said a lot of his issues came from snapping the football too slowly. It was a slow snap and we saw a lot of snap issues with Green this year. And that was resulting in him getting to his anchor late or getting his feet set late or getting his hands on the defensive player late. And that was where a lot of his issues were stemming from. And having less size as well, probably hurt in that aspect it was kind of just everything happening at once um Kendrick Green was not a center in college he played guard in college he was a young guy coming out and you know they threw a lot at him um all that to say and Mason Cole has more experience he's played center in the NFL he's played center in college so he can kind of just kind of step in and walk into the position a little bit easier than Green did and could have and could do this year um so you have a lot more room to play with now when talking about the flexibility this gives the offensive line as well my my feeling right now today is from left to right you have dan moore kevin dotson mason cole james daniels chooks a core four that could easily change i think those three guys in, in dotson cole and daniels even if you want to throw green in there, go ahead and throw green in there. I mean, guard experience in college, center experience at the NFL, not great experience, but experience. You can do a lot with the interior of that line. I think Pittsburgh, I mean, Mason Cole and James Danos have even said they weren't promised or told anything about where they would play when they signed with the Steelers. Um, I think Cole was the only one that kind of expressed, yeah, he might prefer to play center and, and I'd probably prefer him to play center as well, but um those three guys can all play multiple positions. Kevin Dotson played right guard in college and has played left guard in the NFL. James Daniels, we, we talked about him playing all three of those positions. Mason Cole has played, I believe, all three spots at some point in the NFL. Definitely center, definitely played guard last year for the Vikings. Um, they could walk into to training camp and test out all three of those guys and even throw Kendrick Green in there and just test 10 different combinations and see what comes out of it. And when you have that flexibility, you're able to better determine what can we do. Um, last year, the Steelers walked in to the draft and, and it seems like they were determined, okay, we're just gonna go get a center. We think Kendrick Green's a center. They're, they went to training camp. They said, Kendrick Green's our center. We're going to give him 53. We're going to let him have Pouncey's number. This is our center. And then it kind of shot themselves in the foot if they had maybe gone into it with, hey, we like Kendrick Green. 
we want to put him on this offensive line. We'll see what happens. They could have done that if they had someone that they felt more comfortable playing center as well. Um, obviously, they brought back B.J. Finney, who was a better guard than center. They had J.C. Hassenhauer, but playing both him and Kendrick Green probably was not going to be great from a talent and size standpoint. Um, you know, so they might have had a little bit of flexibility, but they clearly just had blinders on in terms of playing Kendrick Green at center, and it did not work. So with all four of those guys on the roster right now, Green, Daniels, Cole, and Dotson, you have flexibility and can say, we're just going to go into camp. We're going to let the best three come out at the position that they're best at. We're going to come out with the best trio that we have found, whether that's maybe that's Cole at left guard, Dotson at right guard, Daniels at center. Maybe that's my my current guess, which is Dotson at left guard, Cole at center, Daniels at right guard. Um, but they have that ability. And what I love and what I'm kind of actually hoping for, getting a little greedy, as you can tell, I'm nerding out over the offensive line, which is what I like to do. But I'm not ruling out a round one offensive alignment still. Um, if you guys go on phantomsportsofficial.com and you, and you find my mock drafts, I've been mocking offensive alignment. Um, my favorite, my favorite mock overall, and, and the guy who I think might still be at the top of my own board is Zion Johnson from Boston College. He's a guard from Boston College. I believe he mostly played left guard, but he has flexibility. They even tried him at center during the senior bowl a little bit, um, which is intriguing. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say you can't draft him and then go in with Zion Johnson, Kendrick Green, Mason Cole, James Daniels and Kevin Dotson and, and come out with your best trio. I think you can still do that. Um, and we'll talk as we go, but a lot of these free agency moves that the Steelers have made lends them to still do whatever they want in the draft. Mitch Trubisky, for the, with the player he is and the contract he signed, it does not stop you from getting a quarterback at any point in the draft. Round one, round two, move up to the top 10, whatever this offensive line group. Mason Cole got a decent contract, three years, less than 16 mil. I think he's getting five or six of that this year. But nothing on his tape, in his experience, in his contract, indicates that he needs to be a week one starter. So if you sign him and that is your top interior swing guy, and then Kendrick Green is kind of your ninth offensive lineman, that's pretty good. And and I, I would not feel bad about that at all. And again, you know, Zion at your left guard, Kevin Dotson goes to the position he played. He's probably still played more games at right guard than left guard between the NFL and college. And then James Daniels goes back to his college position at center. And that's hopefully your next great center. That, that's still pretty freaking awesome. That's a, that's a group that I would love to see. Um, that's me nerding out over the offensive line again. I still don't think they're done. I still think they're going to take somebody in the draft. Now it's probably a tackle. If I had to put money on what they would do in the draft at offensive line, I would probably say another day three tackle. Right now they have Dan Ward Jr. at left tackle, Jukes core for at right tackle, Joe Haig, who had a really nice year last year as their swing guy. But then I think Chaz Green is their fourth. And then I think they have one more guy that they signed to a futures contract. Um, I don't see any reason, and we didn't talk about this with Chooks, but with his contract, the way it's set up, it's very easy to get out of. Um, he got $9.25 million this year out of that 29.25, and then everything else is very easy to get out of. They could cut him next year after the season ends, before free agency starts, before the new league year, and just have the the cap hit of like maybe $3 million a year for the next two years, I think, with the signing bonus just carrying over as dead money. Um, so they could easily move on from Chooks next year. So with all that, I think the most likely offensive line option in the draft would be a day three project tackle who you bring in, and this is what Dan Moore was supposed to be this year, but you bring this guy in, he's your fourth tackle on the roster. He's in street clothes on game day. He's inactive on game day. You essentially treat him as a practice squad guy who you protect by keeping on the roster and you develop him and see what he becomes. 
Joe Haig is a free agent after next year as well. So maybe if Chuck says, well, you keep him a second year and this day three tackle um, becomes your swing guy next year. And then maybe that's all he is, but hey, day three pick, whether it's round four, round six, um, becomes a, a solid swing guy on your team for three years. It's pretty good. You know, it's so important to have good offensive linemen, especially offensive tackles, um, because the drop off from good ones to bad ones is huge. And if Chooks Core four goes down in a game or Joe Haig misses a few weeks or Dan Moore gets hurt, you know, you need to have as many good ones on the roster as you can. So right now, in terms of offensive line, they can still do anything. They have flexibility when it comes to the guys on the team this year and where those guys stand for next year. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm, but I feel a lot, lot better. My main thing with the whole, the whole roster, but especially the offensive line, was just don't do the same thing. Just don't run it back. You know it didn't work. Move on. Do something else. As fans, I believe we can never – really hate on our teams or any team for that matter for trying stuff now and when I say trying stuff I mean trying something new so Washington Commanders fans who are now going to see their team take Carson Wentz who's been on two teams and has had two really unceremonious stops they can probably say hey this wasn't the thing you should have tried because we've seen how it worked for other teams why is it going to be different here um but for the Steelers and this offensive line they could not just bring Trey Turner, Chuck Secor four back, start Kendrick Green again and see what happened. Um, instead, they went out. They got a guy who, again, I have I have faith in, in the front office and the way they do things. So putting putting my my black and gold glasses on a little bit, right? It's here's a young guy from a bad offensive line who could be elite in James Daniels. Here's our right tackle that we know is solid. We know him. Let's keep him in the building. And then a guy, Mason Cole, who maybe we had some pre-draft interest in and, you know, had some good tape with the Cardinals. They moved on from him because they could upgrade to a guy like Rodney Hudson. We understand that. And then he just had an injury plagued year in Minnesota. So reclamation project a little bit, but we, we like what we've seen. Those are at least all different things. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you got to try something. Um. All right, I think I got all my O-line therapy out. So let's move on. Um, a couple more, a couple re-signings I want to hit. Now I'm kind of going to go out of order from the depth chart, but team brings back uh, Arthur Mullet and Miles Killebrew. Those are just good depth pieces to have. Um, primarily for Killebrew, especially, he's a special teamer. He had two pump blocks last year. He's also their backup strong safety technically. Um, I think he played a little bit of dimebacker last year as well. Just a guy that is physical, likes to hit, likes to get after it, especially on special teams. So that's great. Arthur Mollett is great. He had some good snaps in terms of being a nickel corner, especially against the run. We saw him towards the end of the year be taken off the field in more pass situations. So no guarantee he'll make the roster, but towards the end of the year when he played less defensive snaps, he's also playing more on special teams. So he could carve out a special teams role as a gunner um, on punts as well. Um, the team also brought back Montrevious Adams, which is huge in my opinion. I think he's great, great depth, a great security blanket. And just a guy, if you want to keep Tyson Alualu healthy, who I mentioned is coming back this year for the second year of his contract, having a guy, having Adams there really helps with that. That's a guy that can rotate in whether it's play for play, series for series, um, drive for drive, whatever you want, however you want to frame it for Adams and, and Alawalu, he's a guy that can spell Tyson, keep him healthy for the full year, and even play in some some nickel situations. He's not just a, a nose tackle. He's not just a plugger. Um, he's a guy with, with good speed, good footwork, uh, good hands. We, we saw him last year play next to Hayward in – some of those nickel situations where he was a pass rusher and he did pretty well. So I'm really glad he's back. Um, one other re-signing, Akella Witherspoon, who I was not sure was going to come back, especially when Levi Wallace was signed. Um, but I'm glad Akella's back. He got a pretty decent contract. I think two for two for eight, something like that. But long rangey playmaker, had three interceptions in nine games last year. He, you know, became the Steelers' 
uh, team leader in interceptions last year, which is crazy considering where he was at. I mean, remember, this was a guy they traded for in the summer last year. They sent, I believe it was this year's fifth round pick to Seattle for him. And then he didn't really get playing time till week 10, week nine. Uh, I know he was in, he was in week two. He played for an injured Joe Hayden that week. He got burned uh, on one touchdown. Yeah, the, that was the Raiders game. Um, and then he didn't, not only didn't he not see the field, but he didn't even dress for most weeks. Um, and that definitely hurt to see when, when you're talking about trading a fifth round pick for a team that built so heavily through the draft to, to not have that pick and to have a player who you didn't really know what it, what his value was for your team. Um, I'm going to pull up what week that was that he did not play until. Do, do. So, yeah, it wasn't until week 10. Once week 10 came around, then that was when everything obviously clicked. Um, he was able to get on the field. Joe Hayden was hurt. Uh, again, he played outside. That's his position. He's not a really physical guy. He does, in the last few years, his want to, in terms of being physical, has gotten a lot better, but it hasn't netted into great results. He's still not a very good tackler, which is also why he provides no special teams value. But he was able to get on the field, play some defense, and then he never lost his spot after that. Um, I think that'll be really, really important for this team to have a, a player of his caliber and his style because the last year, in the last year, they, they dipped in terms of their production with takeaways. Um, Steven Nelson was great for a couple interceptions a season. Joe Hayden, when he was a little bit faster, a little bit younger, was as well. Having an older Joe Hayden, injured Joe Hayden this year, and then not having Steven Nelson hurt this team from having more playmakers in the defensive backfield. Um, some of the new signings, um, Levi Wallace, who I mentioned when, when they signed Levi from the Bills, who I've always liked, I did not think Witherspoon would be back. So the fact that they get both of these players who do two different things is really, really cool. Um, Levi is a, a tough, long, physical corner. He's a great tackler. He's really good against the run. Um, I believe it was Alex Kazora as well that put up the stat of outside corners with like the best tackling rate uh, on, on run plays against running backs. And the top three were Trivarius Ward, who I really like from Kansas City, Joe Hayden, and uh, uh, Levi Wallace. So we know he's going to be out there. We know he's going to look to hit, stick his face in the fan, stop the run, which is really important to do as a Steelers corner. Um, he's not great in man-to-man. -man. You know, this is where he kind of flips from Witherspoon. So he's really good against the run, really good tackler. Not great in man-to-man. -man. Um, but is a good zone corner and can make plays on the ball um, in that when he can kind of see everything in front of him. So it'll be really interesting to see if Pittsburgh keeps to this kind of zone defense that they were playing more last year than in prior years. Over the last few years, they they were single high safety, man-to-man -man coverage with the corners, and then everybody else can kind of get after the quarterback last year because that corner room took a step back. They played a lot more zone. Um, also probably why they, they weren't getting after the ball quite as much. So it'll be interesting now to see, okay, maybe we stick in zone, but maybe with a year under our belt with this group, with the Witherspoons, Norwoods, Millettes, um, and those three are up there with Minka and Terrell, hopefully Terrell behind them, we'll get to Terrell. Um, and then add in a guy, add in Levi Wallace, who's a smart veteran player who plays primarily in zone from Buffalo. Okay, this is a good mix. Now we can do some interesting things in zone and move some pieces around, switch up some coverages and do some different things. With the defensive backs, so some guys that are still free agents, I'm realizing how much I've bounced around here, um, but Joe Hayden and Terrell Edmonds are both still free agents. Joe Hayden, I think they've moved on from. Um, I remember the day they signed Joe Hayden. I remember being ecstatic because I always liked him and always hated that he played for the Cleveland Browns. Um, it was also the one of the first, I mean, it was the first, he was the first name I knew from another team that was coming to the Steelers. And that was really cool. 
he had a great run in Pittsburgh. He made plays. He was getting interceptions. He was great against the run, like I said earlier. But last year, I think the writing was on the wall. He was he was hurt a lot more. Um, he was getting and it kind of sucked because he was getting cooked. Um, he was getting burned deep, and and that was tough to see, you know. But it it happens to everybody. I mean, the guy's he's turning thirty three um, here in just just a few weeks. Um, and that just kind of is what happens. I mean, he, he only played in 12 games this year, so he missed five. Uh, that's the most he's missed. Um, you know, he only, he missed three, two the year before, three the year before. Um, and then he pretty much was playing all the, all the games since 2017 when he came to the Steelers and, um, his production also dipped 2019. He had 16, uh, in, in 16 games, he had five picks in 2020, he had, in 14 games, he had two picks. Last year, just uh, 12 games and zero interceptions. So I think the writing's on the wall there for Joe. Um, because of that age as well, I don't think he's going to be a special teamer at this point in his career, um, which kind of rules him out for being a depth piece for the Steelers. Would it, and, you know, I was about to say, would it shock me if they signed him to a minimum contract because nobody else was interested? Yeah, kind of at this point. Um, so we'll just wait and see where he goes, but I think he's gone. Um, I'll keep, I'm going to keep hitting the rest of these guys. So uh, those were all the re-signings, outside signings. We talked about Levi Wallace. Um, the other big name, and really the big name, I think, you know, for having that kind of surprise, that shock value, is Miles Jack, linebacker for for the Jacksonville Jaguars, signed a two-year, $16 million deal to come to Pittsburgh. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I follow a lot of a lot of Steeler fans on Twitter, um, and I know a lot of Steeler fans. I'm in all the Facebook groups, and this is a name that even the fans that are only focused on the Steelers um, or they're not too plugged into, like, a bunch of the other teams or the league as a whole or anything, this is a name – that people know. Um, and it's really, really exciting that that Pittsburgh was able to go out and get a guy like that. Uh, as a Steeler fan, whenever the big names get cut, you know, you always say, oh, I would just love if they would actually go get that guy. And they actually did that this time around. So Miles Jack um, in 82 games has, uh, let's see, 513 combined tackles. So each of the last two years, um, he's gotten over a hundred tackles three out of the last four. He's gotten over a hundred tackles. Looks like he would have even got it that fourth year in 2019, but he only played in 11 games. Um, but for miles Jack inside linebacker, he's still only 26 years old, even though this will be his one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh year in the NFL. So he's got plenty of experience, still plenty of youth, um, and he, the way I see him is he's what Devin Bush should have been and maybe still could be, but he's that kind of that smaller middle linebacker, your playmaker, um, you know, you have your, your Mac, there we go. That's where I was looking for. Uh, he's kind of your Mac inside linebacker where that, this is my sideline to sideline guy. This is the guy, if I keep him clean, he's going to make plays. This is the guy that's going to drop back into zones or, or run with the tight end up the seam, stuff like that. Um, he can do all of those things. And again, that's what Bush was supposed to do. Now, again, with Bush, how does that fit? He's going to have the ability to play next to him and do the things you need him to do. You know, if you need him to be more physical, cover alignment more, try to get in the backfield more. I think he could still do that better than Bush and, and probably better than Schobert attempted to do last year. But really what I'm seeing is this guy – you know, you expected Bush to be this, you expected him to be X, and he hasn't been. Okay, well, this guy is that. Put Miles Jack in, especially if you get him next to that bigger buck thumping linebacker. And I think he's going to show everything that he can be, and he can be, you know, a Pro Bowl type of linebacker. Don't think he's made one yet in his career. So um, his big thing was he said he picked the Steelers because he just wanted to win. Um, he was tired of, of going home on Sundays and feeling bad and sad and angry and everything over losing every week. Um, so he's coming here to win. So I think you can play him next to Bush um, and see what happens. Or 
it still does not stop you from going out and doing something. Um, when it comes to Devin Bush, you still have flexibility there too. So let's say they both play this year. Let's say those are your starting middle linebackers and, and you don't go get that bigger guy, or maybe you do, but it's a rotation guy. It's a day three pick. Um, and, and your starters are Jack and Bush. You can just, you can pick one of those guys after this year and move on from the other pretty easily. We'll know here in a, in a little while, but Bush is probably not going to get his fifth-year option picked up. So he'll be playing out his fourth year and be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Miles Jack, like I said, two-year contract. A lot of his money is probably in his first year. I haven't seen all the details on that, but you could probably move on from him next year pretty easily as well. Let's say you see Bush and Jack both this year, and let's say Bush has another year like last year, and it's just disappointing, and let's say Jack has a good season. Okay, now the season ends. Bush is an unrestricted free agent. You let him go. Jack is still under contract and on your team, but at this point, next at this time next year, he's going to be 27. Let's say he had a good year. Give him a three-year extension. And now that is your, your top guy, your number one middle linebacker, and now find a guy to play next to him. All right, so now let's go back. Let's say Bush has a good year. Let's say Jack has a good year. Okay, well, sign Bush to a contract. Keep Jack on the contract he's on and play out another year and see what happens. Uh, let's say Bush has a great year. Let's say that second year off the ACL, he's way, way better. Um, let's say Jack just has like an okay to good year. Give Bush an extension, maybe Frank, well, not extension, sign Bush to a contract. Maybe you even have to franchise tag him for a year. Um, and then you can let Jack go. And then you can find the next guy to play next to Bush. But the very, at the very least, you're improving on Schobert. Schobert. Schobert's athleticism didn't allow him to do the things that, again, Bush was supposed to be able to do and what Miles Jack can do. And that's be really good in, in pass defense. Um, I saw a lot of last year where a, a player would cross right in front of Schobert's face and he just could not keep up with them and get out there. Um, until after they caught the ball and then they were around the corner and they were gone. Miles Jack is a lot more athletic. He's going to be able to handle that a lot better. And for Bush making those plays, he has the athleticism, but it's a lot of the technique-related things. So a lot of times he just tries to get his hands on a guy early instead of just running with them. And that's kind of where he falls off. So Jack, I think, is going to be what both of those guys needed to be last year. And now it's just going to be about whether they – also get kind of that big thumper, that Vince Williams type, even though he's not wasn't that big. Um, but if they get a guy to play next to Jack or next to Bush and really that can get downhill, get behind the line of scrimmage, because that is the one knock I have on Jack's game. He does not really do that. So in the last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six seasons, he has six and a half sacks. I'll say that again. Six seasons in Jacksonville, 82 games played, he has six and a half sacks. He also has 19 tackles for loss. His season high for tackles for loss was six in 2020. Um, now, again, is that steam? Is that scheme? Is that style? You know, I guess I don't know for sure. Maybe maybe if Pittsburgh tries to get behind line of scrimmage, he can do that. But to this point, he hasn't showed that that's his game. Um so you can't really expect that at this point. You can't just say, oh, well, okay, linebackers didn't get behind the line of scrimmage. They got Miles Jack. He's going to do that now. No, Miles Jack, in, in my eyes, is the Devin Bush replacement. And that's the theoretical Devin Bush, what Devin Bush was supposed to be. What will actually happen, we'll have to wait and see. I'm still a big proponent of second, third round going after one of those middle linebackers. There's there's really good day two middle linebackers that would fit that role perfectly. Chad Muma from Wyoming. Darian Beavers, my personal favorite from Cincinnati at 6'4", 250 pounds. Um, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin is also just a wrecking ball who gets behind the line of scrimmage. You get one of those guys in the second round, play them next to Miles Jack, who, again, if you keep him clean, is going sideline to sideline and is you know running with tight ends up the seam. That's a pretty good combo. That's that's what I really like to see this team do. And then you just keep Bush as a rotational guy um, for this year and then then let him walk after. Last six, uh, outside free agent, Gunnar Olszewski, high-level return man from the Patriots. 
um, was a pro bowler in 2020. And he's going to be kind of taking the place of Ray McLeod. Gunner is not going to provide anything uh, offensively. He has nine catches in the last three years. And if anybody was going to find that that short white guy to be undersized and, and win in the slot, uh, it would have been the Patriots, and they couldn't figure that out for him. So I don't think it's happening. But I also didn't expect Ray Ray McLeod to play as big a role on offense as he did last year. So this guy is a kick return, kick return, punt return man. Um, and his secondary value is actually still on special teams, but defensively. I think he had seven total special teams tackles last year. So this is a guy you can put on your your kickoff units. Um, I doubt you want to play him as a gunner, even though his name is Gunner. Uh, but heck, maybe you do. Who knows? But this guy gets after it on special teams. And for the team to lose Ray Ray McLeod, who was the first back-to-back -back kick returner, full-time kick returner for the team since like the early 90s, that's a huge deal. Um, the Steelers' offense was so bad the last two years that they needed as many short fields as they could get, and that came from the defense, and that came from Ray Ray uh, being really productive as he was. So getting Gunner was nice. It, it's a little scary when the Patriots let somebody walk. Um, it doesn't usually go well. Um, I mean, recent examples, uh, Trent Brown, their, their offensive tackle, I know he went to the Raiders and underperformed. And then when he came back, um, he, he looked a lot better this past year with the Patriots. Who was that linebacker with the Dolphins from a couple of years ago? There's another recent one. But if the Patriots let someone walk, it's usually because things are going to go downhill. So we'll see what happens with Gunner. But if at the very least he's just a solid, reliable return man, that's that's a good thing. And that's what this team needs. Um, when we talk about players that they lost uh, so far, it's really just been the wide receiver room. But it has been a lot of guys in that wide receiver room. So I just mentioned Ray Ray. Uh, he signed a two-year deal worth up to 10 mil with the with the 49ers. Really exciting for him. I loved Ray Ray. I, I hated that they relied on him so much as a receiver last year. You thought they would have had a better backup plan to to Juju in the slot and or even just switch up what they wanted to do offensively without Juju. But, you know, they said our offense is designed around getting to the slot receiver. Our, our number two slot receiver is Ray Ray McLeod, so that's who we're throwing to. And it didn't work out that great, but Ray Ray showed us his toughness. He showed a little more offensive ability than I think anyone thought he had, but mainly, yeah, that toughness going over the middle, taking big hits. We saw that especially in the Ravens game, the last regular season game of the year. Um, we saw a great run blocking. I think he was the best blocking receiver on the team last year, which – it's not good considering he's like five foot nine and 175 pounds or so. Um, but his role mainly is going to be missed as a kicker and punt returner. So we'll see what Olszewski can do. James Washington signed with the Dallas Cowboys. It was, it was expected. I had no thoughts that he would leave or that he would return to the Steelers. Decent downfield threat, good contested catcher. I think Ben had a lot of trust in him. I remember a game this past season I forget which one it was. It was one of the night games. And the receivers were dropping everything. Chase was dropping balls. Uh, might have been the Titans game. Chase was dropping. Deontay was dropping. Nobody was really giving him anything. And, and Ray Ray was out there a lot. And I think even Cody White was out there. And Ben just went to the sideline. And you see him yell at, uh, I think it might have been wide receiver coach Ike Hilliard. And he just points at Juju and you can see him yelling, just point or Juju, James Washington. You just see him yelling and pointing at him. And that was clearly like, get this guy in the freaking game. Like this is, I need to throw to this guy. Um, and for, you know, you know, his shortcomings that James Washington had, you know, not a great separator on the outside, not so good of a route runner that you want him kind of in the slot trying to do things really just lost his place in the rotation and the offense when, when they signed or drafted Chase Claypool. Um, no surprise that he's gone. I, I wish he had stayed. I liked him. I thought he was a lot better than Pittsburgh did, obviously. But, hey, you know, that's why they do what they do and I do what I do. So they obviously have a reason for it. Um, Juju signing with the Chiefs was actually – it's a different conversation today uh, on Wednesday the 23rd than it was just Monday when I talked about this with Ben Parker – but he's kind of wide receiver one in Kansas City right now, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. 
Um, obviously, when he signed with KC, the first thing was the contract, the one year, $11 million. And then it was, oh, it's actually like $3 million between signing bonus and base salary. And the, all the rest was uh, incentives. Steelers don't do incentives for anybody that's not a quarterback. Um, and I think ever I think everyone was just ready to move on. I think Juju would have stayed if the the contract was good enough. I think Pittsburgh would have kept him if they could have gotten him on a low enough deal, or even a long term. Maybe they wanted a three year, two year contract, but for not that much money. And I think both team, I think both sides were just kind of ready, um, and weren't going to meet what the other side really wanted. So. I'm happy for Juju. He has this one year kind of prove a deal. And those incentives just got a lot more likely because Tyreek Hill was just traded today from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins, um, which is just nuts. And I won't go into that now, but hopefully that'll be something I, I talk about next week. Um, but Juju's the number one guy for Kansas City right now. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they use him because I thought he was going to be the Sammy Watkins from two years ago for them. Um, You know, you have Tyreek running his deep crossers. You have Travis Kelsey working the middle of the field. And then you kind of have a guy sticking close to the line of scrimmage as your third option. And and that definitely could have been Juju. But also with how that offense works, you could see him moving downfield more than he did these last two years with Pittsburgh. And I think he still has that in him. You know, people talk about the numbers, how close he was to the line of scrimmage, but that was by design. I don't think that has anything to do with his ability or his skill set or his age or his injuries, anything like that. This is a guy that had two 97-yard touchdown catches um, his first two years in the league. And then in 2019, he plays with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. That brought his numbers way down. In 2020, his numbers came back up a bit with Ben's return. But his role had clearly changed where he was now the inside guy close to the line of scrimmage, Ben's security blanket, and he was great at it to his detriment because now his numbers don't look that good. Last year, he was headed in the same direction those first five games before the separated shoulder, and then the injury just kind of hurt his market value after that. So Juju's going to be tough to to not see in the black and gold. I thought he was a great stealer receiver. I thought he showed everything that you needed to be to see a, a Steeler. Um, I would have loved him to be on this team, especially now with Ben retired and kind of be honestly the leader of that offense. Uh, people point to the TikToks and the logo dancing and think that's immaturity. I think that's just guy having fun. And remember, Heinz Ward had fun too. You know, uh, he had his own celebrations, but he was always smiling. That's the biggest thing I remember about Heinz Ward. He was the nastiest dude I ever watched at wide receiver, but he smiled while he did it. And Juju was the same way. Juju would block anybody. All Steeler fans will remember that uh, Vincent Perfect block uh, for Antonio Brown. Um, And he loved to do that stuff. He loved to go over the middle. He loved to take hits. He loved to fight for first downs. And nobody else on this team does that. Chase Claypool is not going to fill that role. Deontay Johnson's not going to fill that role. Um, Gunnar Olszewski is definitely not going to fill that role. So it's some big shoes to fill. And my secret hope is that Juju has one really great year with Kansas City, improves his market value, and the Steelers sign him to a big contract next year. But it'll be really interesting now to see what happens now that Tyreek is gone and Juju kind of becomes that top wide receiver option for, for the Chiefs. Um, with that, you know, the current wide receiver room is, is looking pretty bleak. So you have Claypool and Johnson who are both fine. I think Johnson's very skilled. I think he's very productive. Um, obviously he has his drop issues, which resurfaced a bit at the end of last year, but I don't know if he's the kind of receiver that is not going to experience a drop off this year when, when it comes to going from Ben to Mitch. Ben had a lot of faith in Deontay. He went to him a lot. He gave him a lot of second, third chances. And, you know, they had a good chemistry. They had a good rapport. How long will it take to build that with Mitch Trubisky? Maybe not long, but we'll see. Um, but either way, with those guys as your top two, after that, it's bleak. It's Anthony Miller and Steven Sims, who were on the practice squad a lot last year. 
It's Cody White, who's kind of more of a special teamer, but has at least played all the positions for the Steelers in, as, in terms of wide receiver. And then it's Camp Darling, Rico Bussy, and that's pretty much it. So we'll see what they do at receiver. I think it's definitely going to be a day one, day two pick. Um, there's a lot of great receiver options in this draft, and I honestly think you could see two of them get taken. I think, you know, I think you get a ready-made guy. Let's say that's your third round pick. And then in the seventh round, you have two picks there. Go get a project guy. Go get a guy who can be on special teams for a year or maybe a guy who is just good at one thing. is you know, just a downfield threat. And then you work on everything else, something like that. Um, so the last few guys that are still unsigned, Trey Turner, who I think is, I think is just gone now, um, between Mason Cole and uh, James Daniels being signed. The team also brought back J.C. Hassenhauer on his uh, exclusive rights deal. So with him and Kendrick Green as of right now, that's kind of your five interior offensive linemen. And like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one in the draft. And I think they have two other guys on futures contracts as well. So I think that room is pretty much full. Eric Ebron, I think, is gone. Um, Taco Charlton is the other one, though, that I'm hoping this team resigns. Right now, their edge depth is pretty poor. And getting a guy with some real pass rush ability to be your number three and at least has some experience, not only with the Steelers, but some NFL experience, I think would be really, really, really important. But I'm also expecting an edge guy to be drafted this year. Um, and that's kind of everything. So... This was a long, long version of me just kind of going through basically what I've missed in two weeks between my travel and, you know, getting into a new house and everything. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Anybody that stuck around this long and, and listened to me ramble on completely by myself, um, be on the lookout for more stuff. I'm going to have tons more content. Um, I'll have another mock draft on Monday um, at phantomsportsofficial.com. I will also probably have some sort of free agency recap that goes up later this week so be on the lookout for that um and i'll be on pods uh i'll be recording stuff between now and the draft heavy on the nfl um so be on the lookout i'm hoping to have something really really good for you guys next week so be prepared for that and just be prepared for me hopping on other stuff i'll be sure to share it um make sure you follow me on twitter at simon says 63 um get on there and you can see all my stuff through that so thank you all uh We'll see you next time.